I'm so glad to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. I've always said, I want you to save more, spend less, and avoid getting ripped off. What if you feel ripped off by something I have said? Oh boy. That's where today's weekly Clark Stink segment comes in. Something else that stinks? Well, movie theaters, unless you love the smell of popcorn. We're going to talk about how the movie business is trying, fits and starts to reinvent itself, and what it means to your wallet. But without further ado, stinky advice from me. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. Before you start, Chris, I got to tell you one of my favorite things is people are getting more and more creative about describing the ways I stink. Indeed. Yeah. They definitely are. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll start with this one. Clark, you smell like my fingers after I eat Doritos and then submerge my hand into a jar of coins. Wow. Very creative. Why is it that you and other podcast financial experts avoid discussing the backdoor Roth IRA conversion for high income earners? Recently, there was a listener who reached the maximum income threshold, and you made no mention of the backdoor method. It's super easy to do. Even TurboTax helps you file it appropriately, Stephen. Stephen, thank you. I, You know, the backdoor Roth is something that I do discuss from time to time over the course of a year. It applies to so few people that it's not a regular topic we would talk about. So what it is is if you are income ineligible, to participate in a Roth IRA and think about what a weird thing that the Congress in its infinite wisdom decided to say, we need people to save money. We need people to save money, but you want to save money. We're going to put up roadblocks to you. There's a loophole that Congress will go through saying they're going to close and then they don't. And then they say they're going to close it and then they don't. That is referred to colloquially, colloquially, as the backdoor Roth. It's where you put money in this obscure account known as a non-deductible IRA, which has no income limits. And then you move the money virtually immediately from that into a Roth IRA. There's no restriction against doing that double move. So it requires more work on your part and there are holdups if you have money in a traditional IRA already. So there's more effort involved. But yes, if you violate the income limits for a Roth IRA because you're making too much money this year, you can still get the Roth done by doing the backdoor Roth. And you, if you just go to a search engine, you put in backdoor Roth, you'll see explanations of the hoops you jump through. There were several Clark stinks about this topic, Clark. And here's one of them. Clark, I hope there are more details about your daughter living in an unsafe neighborhood where she has to wear protective gear in the day and cannot go out after dark. And for that privilege, she's paying $2,100 per month for a 500 square foot apartment. Given your noteworthy financial wisdom and resources, I'm sure you counseled her on the benefits of moving out of the area and sharing the cost of an apartment with perhaps a coworker 
or gifting her $17,000 a year, the IRX max, or even providing an interest-free loan to cover the cost of decent housing for three years or until her income catches up with the costs. As a father of a grown daughter, there is no way I would stand on the sideline if her housing conditions were unsafe. I cannot imagine you would either. So to quote Paul Harvey, please tell your listeners the rest of the story. Respectfully, an Ohio professor. Also, my cousin who lives in Los Angeles was screaming at me recently when we were talking about the neighborhood that my daughter Steffi lives in. And he said, can't you just make her live somewhere else? I said, come on. Steffi is a very headstrong woman. She loves her apartment and she loves living where she is because of the convenience to work. My wife and I have had multiple conversations about this. I very much tried to get Steffi to live in a different location. I kept sending her listings of rentals in different neighborhoods that were safer. And I cannot compel a young adult to do something against her wishes. And she's very happy there. She loves her apartment. So this is um, this has been a really hard thing for my wife and I. I, and of course, with a young child out on her own, we do provide her some financial assistance, and it's not that she so badly wants to be financially independent as well as being the independent spirit she is. So you hit on a topic that you said many people were upset yes, with me. Yes, were. You should have heard my cousin yelling at me. Uh, I don't like where she lives, even though the apartment itself, the all 500 square feet are very nice. The building is built like, did I mention before, it's built like Fort Knox where there's six different things you've got to tap into. No, you didn't mention that. To get think. into your own apartment. I mean, think about you're having to build a fortress because of the lack of safety. And my wife was visiting Steffi a couple of weeks ago and twice had to step over people who were passed out from, uh, she assumed from drugs, who had blocked the sidewalk and had to step over them. Mm. I mean, it it is rough. And Los Angeles has a very difficult problem right now with homelessness and with with crime street crime and our daughter unfortunately is right in the middle of it i'm writing to challenge your advice to give employees cash instead of gift cards for recognition how do you reconcile cash to employees on your company general ledger this is a taxable event for employee and employer something i often do to recognize exceptional workplace contributions which is well received by our work associates is to let them choose from gift cards purchased from local retailers, grocery stores, or chain coffee stores. Kevin. Kevin, thank you. Um, The cash thing is not easy but doable. You can give employees cash and report it just as you would the purchase of the gift cards. I think that you eliminate the hazards of the gift cards if you go through the couple extra steps involved and bonusing people at a holiday period with cash instead of with gift cards. Imagine you work so hard to make your business a success. And Kevin, if you spent money on those gift cards, give them to your employees and then find out later that a crook had already emptied all those cards, you're going to be angry because it was your money 
that you wanted to reward your employees, your money's gone, and the reward to your employees didn't happen. That's a mess. Okay, Clark stinks, stinks. Clark fails to point out obvious self-interest and bias in what people write. It goes like this. I do X. Clark spoke out about the problems in X. Again, I work in X, and therefore Clark is wrong. There is no substance to these objections, and the obvious self-interest should be pointed out, Roger. Thank you, Roger. And there are going to be multiple occasions that Krista will choose a Clark Stinks and read one from someone who is writing from an industry perspective, that they feel like I'm not seeing their side of the equation. And I think there's value in that, hearing what the perspective is of somebody who has an embedded self-interest in their position and why I might be wrong. An example would be when you read some from people who sell various forms of permanent life Mm. insurance, like variable universal life and annuities, who um, I'm really hitting them very, very hard. And I think it's good to hear their perspective. You were recently talking about manufacturers pushing prices up under the guise of supply chain issues and how the marketplace is starting to balk at those prices. You mentioned how a store brand is always cheaper than the name brand items. I am from the city that is home to the largest, most popular grocery chain in the Northeast and beyond, and they have lost their minds on their prices. I fear they're doing the same. I went to purchase a jar of pesto sauce and was stunned to find the store brand that the retailer tries so hard to push was higher than the name brand price. Needless to say, I bought the name brand and I can no longer afford to shop at this retailer routinely. Most of my business goes to Aldi across the street. Thanks for all you do, Brenda. Wait. You got to say who Brenda's talking about. Wegmans. Wegmans. Wegmans has almost like a religious following in markets where they are. And I saw a recent survey from the Washington, D.C. area where people were just, uh, I don't know how long Wegmans has been in the D.C. metro area. People were going crazy about it. When you lived in the Northeast, were you a Wegmans shopper? We didn't have them where I grew up, but there is uh, Wegmans right near my parents and I love going there. So they are a very special supermarket. They are not a discount supermarket. And I would have gone, Brenda, if I were you, I would go to the store manager and talk to him or her. Their name is posted at the front with a picture and say, okay, please tell me what the deal is. Brand name here, Wegmans brand here. Why is Wegmans more expensive than the brand name? And I hope there's some explanation that makes sense, but that's really not smart for Wegmans to do because you want to have that price advantage of at least 20%, if not more, for the store brand versus the brand name. Good eagle eye, Brenda. Clark stinks worse than an IRS employee in mid-April. Clark has recently discussed the arbitrage opportunity available by earning interest in a high-yield savings account compared to the interest saved by paying down debts. While I don't think it would necessarily change the advice he gives, he always forgets to consider taxes. For someone in a high-tax bracket or a high-tax state, that 4% yield could be cut down by one-third or more. While I still think it's better to be liquid than pay off low-interest debt, Taxes might really change the equation in some cases, David. David, thank you. And I neglect, just as we had the earlier question about the backdoor Roth, I neglect to mention often enough the advantage of 
tax freeze for someone who is in an ultra high income tax bracket. But we get to narrowing the market so much if I spend so much time concentrating on that. But as an example, being in a um, ultra short tax free fund, being in a tax free money market fund would be probably a strategy to look at for somebody who is in an ultra high income tax bracket, which we're looking at people who are earning more than $400,000 a year at that point. You said that members of Congress have a golden health plan. They don't. They are required to buy Affordable Care Act insurance plan. This is also known as Obamacare. They may have many benefits that we don't have, but their health care is the same as ours. Dan. Dan, um, uh, that is not what I have seen, read, or heard. The members of Congress have ultra-fantastic health benefits, and I will go and see if my information is dated. But uh, by memory, members of Congress have extraordinary health benefits. And if I'm wrong about that, I will correct that. I'm an avid listener, but at times there are some things more important than using the cheapest breakfast serving Drury Hotel. (laughs) If the host wants to treat you to a good hotel, don't make Krista feel guilty. It is their dollar to spend. I get the message and your principles, but let Krista stay at the Primo Hotel and you can hang out at Drury and save face, Beth. And I wouldn't have read that, but there were a few about it. And we heard from the money guys who was, that was the show that you were on. They wrote me cause they heard it and heard about it. And they were like, you can come back anytime. And we'll put you up there at the fancy hotel. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what we'll do next time is you can stay in the fancy hotel. <laughs> it costs a zillion dollars and I'll stay at the Drury Inn and suites. I mean, they're in the same town. They're a mile apart, and I'll save all that money for them. Because, see, I always look at your money is just as valuable as my money. Their money, just as valuable as my money. And I've always, this thing where I'll hear people say, well, it's the company's money. That one just kills me. In my thinking, when somebody looks at something as the company's money, and it's not as valuable as your own money, It means that company has not made a good connection to that employee where they feel loyalty both ways. But anyway, in this case, I felt terrible about spending so much of their money. You and I are always going to disagree about that kind of stuff. (laughs) Always have, always will. All right, coming up next, something I'm sure we can both agree on. Popcorn at the movie theater is a ripoff. No, you don't agree with that either. I will. That's coming ahead. So I'm going to talk about something that I would say I'm unqualified to talk about. Going to a movie theater. I mean, once our now 17 and a half year old son aged out of wanting to go to movies with me, I saw all the Minion stuff and who knows what else. Now if he wants to go to the movie, he goes with his friends. I haven't been in a theater since the last time I went with him, Dominions, whatever. But it still kills me how much it costs at the concession stand, which is about roughly, I guess, about 40% of the revenue of a typical theater is what people buy at the concession stand. So CNBC says the average popcorn, medium popcorn at a theater now, 
is $8 and change. The average medium soft drink, soda, pop, whatever you like to call it, now about six and a quarter. Markup on these items, about 95%. Okay, that's pretty unreal. Movie theater attendance really down. So it's time for a reset. And the theater business is doing it by becoming step-by-step an entertainment emporium where you go and it's a full event with actual real food. It seems to me more and more that the movie theater operators are adopting the Top Golf business model. If you're familiar with Top Golf and its competitors, they built these fancy golf driving ranges where it's not about the golf, it's about the experience and having decent food at pretty much regular prices, which you'd pay in a mid-price restaurant. And that's what the movie theater industry is looking at doing to adapt. Because think now, you can go into Best Buy or Costco or Sam's or BJ's Wholesale, and you can buy a magnificent, unbelievable, giant screen television with home theater sound for a crazy low amount of money. So the movie theater no longer has the cinema experience that made it worth going to the theater to see the movie. So now it's got to be more about something else other than $8 stale popcorn. It's got to be about the whole event and experience. And the companies that are doing that, adapting, are getting much more money out of your wallet, but they're selling you the evening's entertainment instead of you having to do dinner and a movie, where dinner is one place and the movie is somewhere else. It's a dining experience, an entertainment experience, all in one. And dare I say, I don't think you feel as ripped off if the food is actually good and the prices aren't crazy. Have you been to any of these? I have. And I've also noticed they're selling alcohol, even if it's not like a full dinner experience. Like, I don't remember there being alcohol at movie theaters like years ago. And now there's alcohol. There's a full bar at one where I live. And I've done the dinner thing years ago at one because they've, they've been sort of like they were scattered around before. And it was okay. Um, the, the one near you has changed names a couple yeah. of times. I haven't been back since it changed again. <laughs> changed again because <laughs> this is its third name, isn't right, it? Right, yeah. But definitely had a full bar last time and you could you sit down and order your food. and the So whole the thing. movie could be really bad. Yeah, it could and be. And you'd still be fine. Uh-huh. But I don't go to, I've only, the last two movies I've been to were the two Downton Abbey movies when they came out in the theater because you couldn't see it anywhere else. So I had to, my friend and I had to go because we're big Downton Abbey nerds. That's the one about the rich poor divide in Britain like a hundred years ago or uh-huh. something. It was on PBS. How about I, I knew some kind of popular culture reference, kind of. Sure, kind of. Kind of. Did I not get it right? <laughs> I don't know if either of us are very cool knowing that, but that's fine. All right, you want to go to some questions? Sure. This one is from Lindsay in Ohio. I went to get my taxes done and realized my employer did not take federal taxes out of my check for the entire year. What? I started in mid-January of 22. They took state, Social Security, Medicare, and city tax out, but never federal. 
when I asked them about it, they told me it would be fixed going forward, but that there was nothing they could do about what was in the past. I'm being told that it is basically my problem now. Should they be held accountable for this? Is there anything I can do at this point? And will I be penalized since no taxes were taken out of my check during the year? I was told that my taxes and my employer's taxes will be red flagged and investigated. So your employer violated the law by their clerical error. Your responsibility is you got to look at your withholding statement that comes with your check. If you get paid electronically, you still have access to a withholding statement each pay period. It shows your gross check, your net check, and you would have discovered early if you'd looked at that sometime in 20... And again, I'm not blaming you. You're the victim of a problem, but... Uh, you would have seen it very early in 22 if you've been looking at your pay stubs, your electronic pay stubs, if they weren't giving you a physical one. So what happens now is you were subject to an underpayment withholding penalty. I think it's perfectly reasonable for your employer to pay a portion of that with you, split it with you, pay all of it, and you're going to learn a lot about your employer by how they handle what was first their mistake and then ultimately your oversight that you had not noticed it. So as to how you're going to be punished for it, I don't think it will lead to anything other than the underpayment penalty that you'll have to pay, the not having money paid in to the IRS over the course of a year. And you have an accountant. You said you went to get your taxes done. The place you're having your taxes done may be able to submit a statement to the IRS that will lead to a waiver of at least a portion of the underpayment penalty. This is from Joe. I live in South Florida and I love cruising. I was wondering if there is truly a website where the cruise lines offer deep discounts to help fill the ship at the last minute. I know they used to do this more often, but with security measures in our day and age, they cannot do it last minute. What's the cutoff time now to book a cruise? And can you really find those deals a few days before the ship embarks? Or is that more of a myth now? So there was a change in strategy by the cruise lines. And this goes back pre-pandemic. I think starting in maybe 17 or 18, the cruise lines decided that they were teaching their customers to wait them out and people who lived in Florida near the ports that account for a meaningful market share for all the cruise lines that so heavily sail out of Florida ports that they were training their regulars to always wait till the last minute to book a cruise. So the cruise lines really said, no, this is is really bad for us to do. So we're going to try to use wave season as a way to front load discounts to encourage people to book way in advance, gives us a sense of capacity, helps us price our inventory of unsold cabins more appropriately as we move through the time period till uh, sailing goes. So there was a very routine time that there were either direct from cruise lines or through deep discount cruise sale agencies, people were booking those last minute cabins. Very rare today. However, there are soft sailings. As an example, at Cruise Critic and other message boards, 
you can see, you know, sites very frequented by cruise passengers, you can see which sailings are offering last-minute deals just because they have unsold inventory. But it's not the normal way to get a good deal anymore. And this is from Warden, Missouri. I enjoyed my trip to Memphis, but hated the pay-to-park experience. No cash, no card reader. The photo of my license plate didn't take until the fifth try. Having to download an app to pay was ridiculous. The charge was $17.30 for four hours. We were 10 minutes late due to bad directions getting back to the car, and now I have a bill in my mailbox for $90. Whoa. I don't really want to pay it, but they say my car can be booted or towed after 60 days. Can't we just go back to taking a timestamp ticket and paying the elapsed time on the way out? So this is such a problem in tourist-oriented districts is the municipal government, Star for Revenue, is looking to get as many gotchas as they can from parking. Uh, We live in a neighborhood that is a very popular area for people to come as tourists and to hang out in. And when I'm walking in the neighborhood, I see the, the ticket writers just bam, 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 bam. It's the same kind of thing you talk about. You, you go and you put in your license plate or tag number. You buy time. And the ticket system automatically knows when you've gone one second past that time and you got that ugly ticket on your windshield. And so what happens is that visit you may have enjoyed to Memphis you're not going to make another one because of the $90. So the city wins in the short term, but they lose in the long term. My thing all along has been that there should be a grace period when somebody is done what they're supposed to do, which is pay for parking. And you hit somebody hard who parks in a space they know they're supposed to pay and they don't pay. But to treat people the same if they're five minutes late, what were you, 10 minutes late? 10 minutes late versus somebody who didn't pay at all, I think is a big mistake on the part of municipal governments. And I say you pay the $90, know that this is a ridiculous thing that you have to pay the 90, but you pay it because the later consequences could be so much worse. And you ever had Memphis barbecue? No. Well, I can tell you that if you love barbecue... Why did I ask somebody who's virtually a vegetarian? That was a (laughs) stupid question. But Ward, I know the next time you're thinking, hey, wouldn't it be fun to go somewhere and you love Memphis barbecue? Maybe instead you go to Kansas City and you have Kansas City barbecue and you tell Memphis got lost because of the $90 ticket. How much extra spending do they lose from you because of hitting you with 90 bucks for 10 minutes? And I hope you appreciate it being part of today's episode. I want to thank you so much for joining us. And most important thing, in a time where people tend to get teed off and angry at other people, let's think about how we can be kind to others. What can we do to help our neighbors, our friends, our community, where we live, to make life better for all of us? There's enough anger in the world without us adding to it. Let's subtract from that anger and bring some goodness into play and have a great day.